ChatGPT has taken the world by storm because you can seemingly ask it anything and it knows more than we thought it could ever know. Ever wondered though, what it'd be like if this language model had a body? Well, enter Neo, a robot built by Norway's 1X Technologies, which was fueled by a whopping $23.5 million from OpenAI. This is the first official OpenAI robot. The plan is for Neo to be released this summer. So 1X Technologies' earlier creation, Eve, showcased their talent, but now with Neo, it's going to be even cooler. Think about Neo powered by GPT-4. This bot will know what's in your fridge, find recipes online, and cook up a storm. It's like having your own kitchen wizard. It turns out though, Neo and OpenAI are not the only ones working on this. Google's DeepMind just released a paper showing the results. We will be reviewing these today. In this video, Dr. Scott Walter, who's co-founded two robotics companies, will help guide us to the latest announcement of how all of this can work. There's no doubt about it. I guarantee you this will surprise you. Smart robots are here. Thank you so much, Scott. This is a very, very exciting. It's uh, incredible, the pace of development. And the you will show me how, in fact, this large language model can now be transferred to robots. And it looks like that there's emergent behavior. There's things that they weren't taught that it's learning. So let's, uh, let's get started. Tell me where you want to get started first. Yeah, I think this is exciting. Uh, you know, first I want to say that the video, the yeah, the chat you had with Hans the other day was very interesting. I, I tuned in just to hear about whether uh, Tesla should buy Uber, and then you guys pivoted over to Optimus. I go, oh, watch out here! And Hans acquitted himself quite well. He his facts and everything were right, so I, I could not really quibble with anything uh, he talked about there. So that that is a, a really good takedown on you know, what it's going to be like to, to build something like Optimus and what's going on. But you know, the mechanics is one side of it. The other side, of course, we've always talked about is the brain. And mm -hmm. in there, you also mentioned that um, the open AI, one of the, one of the founders had previously said something about they would need 10,000 robots if they're going to do it, which is why they kind of abandoned it. Now, they had abandoned it, and suddenly they're kind of coming back into the waters to say, we want to see what it's like to embody this now in there. And so... It's not just about Optimus anymore and who's going to be winning the race and training it because a lot of people are doing it. OpenAI, we know. OpenAI already has a pretty good hand that's able to do the Rubik's Cube. And Google has also not been sitting on the sidelines. They've been doing something. And there's a paper that came out this past week that's rather interesting and gives us a lot of insights on how these bots are going to be trained. And again, the emergent behavior is what's exciting because it means the robots are really going to start figuring out these cases that they just were not trained on, almost like the way a human would solve a problem. And uh, that's kind of what you want to take a look at first. And, you know, we can either look uh, at as dealer's <laughs> choice here. You can decide whether you want to look at, at Neo. I'm dealer. So let's go ahead yep. and start with Neo so, because I okay. think that's the one most people can quickly understand. But I'm telling yes. you guys, if you're watching now, stick around because it's the actual deep mind research that we're going to show you that's going to blow your mind away. So let's let's set the stage. I think everybody knows that there's ChatGPT, right? So people are playing with ChatGPT right now. You can ask this uh, large language model questions and it seems to know its answer. So ChatGPT is owned by OpenAI. And when we when you just heard Scott talk about it, it's actually the CIO at OpenAI who said that, hey, we're not going to build our own bot. But what they did do was invest in this bot here. So this is a bot initially called Eve, which is their first iteration. You can tell me a little bit more about Eve. Um, and then uh, and then later we'll show you what Neo is going to be, which is the humanoid version. Go ahead, uh, Scott. Tell me what you're seeing here. 
Yeah. So the, the first thing we're seeing is, of course, the company before it was called uh, 1X was uh, Halodi, and they're a um, Norwegian-based company. And they were working on coming up with a humanoid type of, uh, of robotic uh, arm or uh, you know humanoid robot to be able to do a variety of different things. Uh, some of it was going to be um, uh, being a security a bot moving around within an office environment, checking things out, as well as trying to do activities in the kitchen and just learn different kinds of activities. And the first iterations, of course, they tried to make it as simple as possible. Uh, the hands were not anything fancy. They were off-the-shelf grippers that they were able to buy. Um, the question we always have is like, well, why doesn't Optimus have wheels? Why does it have legs? And it's like, well, yeah, I guess in some ways, because wheels are a lot easier to get around. So it's if you need mobility, it's a lot easier to start out with a wheeled vehicle at first. And of course, it's limited in where you could move, but so long as your surfaces are flat and accommodating to uh, a wheeled vehicle, why not? So they're gathering a lot of data here, and you can see suddenly they now have what looks like a human hand on there. So they get some different images here of, you know, a simpler gripper, which is probably earlier in the day, and now they're starting to move towards that. So the the versions that we saw, I think, back in February, that, that kind of one of the first times the One X came out, was just very simple hands, wheeled, but able to move around very quickly and do some very simple tasks. And now they're announcing this and you know, I, I'm assuming that's just a render, but if they actually build something like that, man, that is going to look really close to being a humanoid. So you can see that they're putting a lot of focus in the hands now because they didn't really demonstrate anything like that before. They're going to go to walking, which is something they have not shown yet. They've shown mobility, but they, they haven't shown that. But they must be very confident they can do that, especially with the backing of OpenAI. Um, and again, they've made sure it's it's not going to be threatening or it's it's packaged up in such a way that you don't have to worry about it snagging or hurting anyone. So all the exposed surfaces are kind of covered up pretty well behind, but it's probably a pretty durable fabric. So um, rather interesting humanoid robot. It'd be interesting to see what their actuators are like, how it's moving around. Because if you look at some of the other versions that they have here, you can see it gets a little bit bulky in a few places, and we're not sure whether it has a, enough uh, capability to be able to do very heavy lifting, but it seems like it's capable. And what's more important to many of them right now is not so much the overall physical capabilities of the robot, but the ability to be able to train it, to get enough information from there to be able to demonstrate tasks, see if it can repeat those tasks, and then train more and more on that data. And that's certainly something that uh, OpenAI wants to do. And they now have what looks like a bot that they can start to put chat GPT in, but we don't know enough about how they're going to train it. And meanwhile, Google has also been doing the same thing for a number of years with one of their robots. And they decided to, let's say, take a much easier path and get what we would not really call a humanoid robot, but sort of a mobile robot with a functioning arm and with a vision system that's able to do a lot of the same tasks that we as humans would be able to do. Yeah, can and we um, this is pause the, for a second? Um, Yep. Yeah, before we get there, because that's going to be the bulk of what we're going to show, I want to just, again, set the stage. So what everybody just saw was OpenAI's investment in a company uh, called One X Technologies, and you saw two versions. The earlier version is called Eve with the wheels, yes. and then they're planning a humanoid version uh, that you just saw a render of that, almost look like a human, uh, but they haven't shown what it's going to look like. That's coming out this summer. But this is uh, partner with OpenAI, so they can put put the large language model that they created, ChatGPT4, into that. In the meantime, I just want to remind folks what um, Tesla's, uh, Tesla's um, 
a robot looks like. Maybe while we're watching this, can you just explain what they're doing and how they're approaching the intelligence that's powering all this? Okay, so the, their intelligence is coming from the FSD chip that they're already using in the, the Tesla cars for being able to do full self-driving. And they're teaching it, um, actually demonstrating the, the physical tasks and having it trained that way, the same way we would from have, uh, just driving around town where the FSD computer collects enough data and then from that is then able to learn the task it's supposed to do. So they're sort of taking the same approach, but it's not just training in the lab. There's a lot of other things that goes on to putting a neural net together. And a lot of it is simulation data behind it. So you, you would kind of simulate your environment because you can do so many iterations when you simulate to get your neural network up to the stage that now you can start training it with more data, which is the real world data. And I'm pretty sure that all the other bots out there have done the same thing is you can't quite start with a blank slate and just say, okay, physical bots start learning. What you have to do is you have to get it that it has a rough idea of how to do a few things and it's going to make mistakes. It's, it's going to fumble, it's going to do everything else, but that's part of the learning process. And then you iterate through there and it refines that model and gets better and better and better. But you need to start somewhere. And so they're all going to have that. And then you need the physical environment to be able to start teaching those different tasks. And this is where it gets tricky. We, we know one of the advantages that Tesla has with full self-driving is the fleet. They've got a half million beta testers out there that are testing it, showing all these different edge cases and training it data. So they're getting tons and tons and tons of data. And, you know, 500,000 automobiles driving around there. That is an insanely large number. And that's sort of what you have to do if you're going to just be training it yourself. You would need to have at least a half million or a million uh, virtual cars just driving around all the time in the computer, learning what to do that. And you do the same thing with the bots, is that you want to have which is a virtual warehouse full of these robots that are doing these tasks, the learning to train, learning to pick up something, learning to do a particular task to get you up to that level that you now have some innate capability on the bot that it can start to move ahead. But we know it's so much easier to copy and paste something than to create something from scratch. And so virtually it's really easy like that. I can get a million robots, but physically it's very, very tough. And if you remember the, the CIO from, um, from OpenAI, you know, he felt like, oh, we have to like 10,000 of these, like, we're not a hardware company. That's just insane because they understood that in order to get AI to work, you need to have so many different agents out there doing this training. So they kind of gave up on that. And now they're coming full circle back and say, whoa, wait a minute. Uh, you know, maybe we shouldn't have abandoned that. We should have gone in there. You know, and then meanwhile, we see Google has also been playing in that space for a couple of years here as well. Okay. So let's show Google's uh, thing. And then later, maybe you can... Uh, show the difference between the three approaches and which ones you think is ahead or not. So this is Google's approach. This is going to be very exciting because they just released a paper yesterday and there are some very surprising things that this bot can now do. So first of all, <clears throat> this is the bot that they're using. So it doesn't look like a humanoid robot, but it's uh, enough to be able to manipulate and use and pick up ta tasks as well, right? So do you want to walk us through what we're watching first and then we'll go yeah. through the new discoveries? Yeah. So that's kind of a, a standard cobotic arm. So it's a very friendly arm. It's not going to hurt you. It's kind of human-like, but not perfectly human-like. The wrist is a little bit different, but still it has the same similar capabilities, but it's a little bit longer. So it's a, got a bigger workspace and it also has mobility. And so the mobility is it's, it's just on what is it usually a standard mobile robot, just a platform that's wheeled that's going to be able to move around. Uh, so that gets its mobility and it has the cameras up in the head and looks like also a LIDAR to help it be able to see. And 
the, the, you know, they have a gripper. They don't have a hand, but they do have something that allows it to be able to grasp something and move it around. So very, very simple. They did not go overboard in the hardware because that they're kind of seeing this like, well, that's not really the problem as far as we're concerned. The, the problem is solving the AI that's going to be driving this. So we just need to have hardware that's able to do all of the general things that a human can do. A human is mobile, is able to move around. Human is able to reach for things. Human is able to grab things. We're able to look at things and make sort of decisions on that. So this is like the bare bones minimum of what you would need. And then once okay. you're able to train it and, and come up yeah. with a system which is smart enough to be autonomous and figure out and do these tasks, well, then you can start worrying about coming up with the hardware. So that's the approach that, that Google has taken. We're trying to solve the brain problem. We don't care about the hands. We don't care about the mobility. We'll solve it really easily with the easiest of all grippers, you know, and get out there. And the easiest mobility, just putting it on a simple platform that goes around. And then start thinking, what happens if we train this thing? And so they've gone through two iterations. The first one was called RT1, stands for Robot Transformer 1, where they trained, I think it was 13 bots sort of, you know, in the wild, which is like in their office space, just going around doing all sorts of different tasks. And some of them are very simple things. I think they started out like uh, like sorting the trash, you know, figuring out which went into recycling and which went into trash and everything else and identifying those things and moving around the office, doing some very, very simple tasks, some simple cleaning tasks. Then they even showed some folding tasks, which were rather unique because they had two bots. Because remember, this is only at one arm. And if you've got a two-arm task, how do you do that? Well, you get the other bot in there and they somehow were communicating with each other. So, you know, it was like folding the, the, the sheets with, with your mom when you were a kid. You know, you grab one. It's like, wow, they're getting to do that. So that's uh, amazing that they kind of get that coordination. Um, but I think what is really interesting, and which is why a lot of people in the AI community are excited about this, is that the way they went about training it is almost the reverse of what you, they were kind of expecting. Is that a lot of it is that you, you would um, simulate a lot of these things and then kind of get up a certain level and then go into the physical world. And they've done a little bit of that because they, they get the, the training data from the physical world from RT1. They use that as a platform. And they said, okay, rather than now maybe um, going and simulating more to augment this, they went and just started training it on videos. <laughs> and just started showing all kinds of videos. And that be started to become part of its training corpus. And it was able to incorporate that in really quite well. A lot better than they expected. So it's like it already had enough sort of understanding and intuition about how the world functioned that when it starts seeing these other videos. And this is really different because when you're training most of these bots, you're training it with its own body. So it's seeing everything through, you know, its own eyes and the actions of its own arms. And if you now start showing videos of, of other actions being done by things that are not a robot or just something completely different, and it's able to sort of bring that in, that's rather amazing that it's, it's getting this intuition and building it up. And then probably what became uh, more important or more interesting to everyone, which I think everyone was hoping this would happen and certainly did, and that is the emergent behavior. The, the, the fact that it can now start to do things that it was not actually trained on. So the, the place to start was this tweet that really made everyone aware that this paper was, was out there uh, from Sergey Levin, who is a, a professor, I think, at Berkeley, uh, he probably works with a team there or knows people there, but he certainly uh, pointed in the direction of, of this DeepMind video and paper showing exactly what the Google bot can do. So again, it's a very simplistic bot, 
but kind of look at the tasks and, and what it does to go around here. And it's interesting. It, it does some things well, and it makes some mistakes. It makes some very human-like mistakes, which is fine. <laughs> and, and that's because it just needs to be trained more and more to be able to, uh, to get it. So uh, the RT stands for a robot transformer. And uh, it's coming up with a, a new class that they, they call a visual um, a language model. So we have LLMs out there. And what they want to do is figure out, well, is there some way we can make the visual language models kind of like a normal language model and that you can tokenize everything? And that was one of the things that they really strive for is the ability to be able to take all the actions and everything and break them into tokens. And if you've been following the AI space, you know, they keep on talking about having to tokenize everything and breaking everything down. And tokens, one way of thinking is just like words. You know, our English language, we have all these different tokens of words, and we understand how to move those tokens around in some sort of grammar that makes sense. So you put a series of tokens in, and from it interprets those things, figures out what the tokens are, they're going to go out. And now they've figured out how to kind of do that from a vision module, a, a, a vision um, model that will allow them to do a very similar thing. And the it result is both web is a token. Web and robotics data and translates yes. into knowledge. Yes, and that, that is that is like really interesting that they're getting data from the web to be able to do it. So yeah. it's taking everything, it's learning from the environment, it's also learning from the web, and it's assimilating all that information to understand something about the world, and then you can uh, command it or you can ask it to do a task, and it will figure out how to do it. So again, the idea is they wanted to address actions as tokens. And then the final output token here is very simple, saying that if you tell me to do some particular task, the output will be right here, which is exactly what's needed to make the arm move. And so you give it an X position, uh, or you give it the XYZ positions, the rotational position, and then finally the gripper state, whether the gripper should be open or closed at a particular state. And you notice those are deltas. So basically it's showing it how it should be moving towards its, its, its task. Um, so we, the video here, as you can see, is getting an idea of it's just basically assimilating more and more information to finally get RT2 from uh, the RT1 by bringing a VLM in there. And now you can start asking the bot to solve different tasks like you would with a large language model. You just put in some very simple um, query. And the next thing you know, it figures out how to do it. And it might mm -hmm. be that what the action has to do is very simple, or it may be broken up into a series of others. And um, they had a term for that, and it just kind of slipped mine. It's the, um, I think it's the chain of thought reasoning. So it, it's that's what they're doing now, is that they'll put it in there, and it will take what you want it to do and keep breaking it down into a series of subtasks. And then we'll execute all those things to us and to figure out how to get to its particular goal. So that means there's a certain amount of reasoning that's going on in there that's incorporated directly into the controller. And what's interesting are the examples that they show of some of the emergent behavior that comes in there. Now, before, yeah, um, before we get now the first thing they want to do is they want to yeah. be able to just sort of put in any sort of, of human language. doesn't have to be in English, can be in French or anything else, and then translate that into whatever sort of this internal representation that the bot has. So, so the bot has its own internal language now that it understands. And you just need a translator that goes between them. And then from that, it's able to take whatever that state is and then create the output that you need to get the robot to move around to actually execute the task that you want. So there's some very simple tasks that it's already been shown that we know it can do. And then the question is like, oh, what if we show it something completely new that it's never seen before? Will it yeah, be able so to this solve says that? here. 
put the strawberry into the correct bowl. So it knows to recognize yeah. the strawberry. It knows what a bowl is. And then once it figures that out, and you could teach it anything because it looks like here that you're you know, yeah. it's learning from the web and it's learning from just, this. this really is chat GPT. In this case, yes. DeepMind. Yes. Pick yeah. the nearly falling bag. What? Pick the nearly falling bag. And then okay, so it looks like a bag that might be on the edge that's just about to fall off. Ah, so it might gotcha. be like over that a little bit. So it knows that's the bag we want you to get, the one that looks wow. like it's yep. at risk of falling off. So that you know, putting the strawberry in the correct bowl, uh, was it the yeah, the correct bowl. So it sees that there's other bowls out there and it sees one bowl has oranges in it, the other one has peaches, and the other one has like one or two strawberries. So it already knows, oh, this is a sorting wow. bowl. You want me to put that in there. Oh so it, it's inferring that. Um <laughs> And, so you know, there, there will always be someone that will argue, well, how did, you know, that's not necessarily the right one. You know, it could have, could have been any of the others, but it's able to infer that it's able to make what is a reasonable guess of what it is that you want to do. Okay. And it says here, each task required understanding visual semantic concepts and the ability to perform robotic control to operate commands such as pick up the bag up about to fall off the table or move banana to the sum of two plus one, where the robot is asked to perform a manipulation task on objects or scenarios never seen in the robotic data. It mm -hmm. figures it out from web-based data to operate. That's brilliant. Now, yes. here's the cool part, right? So these are all what you said, emergent behavior. Can you explain what emergent behavior is? Okay. So uh, the thing is, it's, it's able to do something that it was not taught before and infer it. So I think one of the examples that was interesting is, is the lower right corner is, you know, pick the land animal. It was never taught this idea of picking up a land animal. It had to infer everything. So it sees that there are two things down there. It's able to identify there are two potential objects, and then it has to classify them. And it realizes that, well, one of them is an octopus, which comes from the sea. The other one is a land animal. That's the one I'm going to pick up. Um, and then, like, wow. in the middle, there was the example of moving the banana to Germany. And it had seen flags and everything like that before but it had never been taught anything like this. So it knew what the flags were and it gets the idea that must be what you mean for the destination. It must, it must mean the German wow. flag, not necessarily that I need to take the banana, put it in a box, put a stamp on it and mail it to Germany. So um, this, you know, the, the inference it's able to do is rather remarkable. So w once it has enough capability, you can just tell it, bot, do this. Do that, and it will do yeah. it even though it's never done that task before. It'll be able to figure it out. This is move the Red Bull can and this year, to the It's H missing an X, as you notice. Or to the X. And, and there should be an S out there. So we got the... Move back <laughs> and to then, Google. You know, picking up the bags and uh, being able to move them around. And it's not going to be perfect necessarily because it's not the best gripper. And it's trying its Pick best, but it, you know, it's awkward hands, things fall down, but still, oh, it tried. You know, so that's going to happen every now and then. We'll see if it understands how to pick up the cup. Well, it doesn't quite understand that the cup is going to get crushed, but it goes to pick it up and there may be a better way, but here, you know, move the banana to Germany. And so over time, the bot's going to get better at understanding how to grasp. So it's uh, more and more training data will do it there. This is interesting how it really has to stretch itself. So it's probably trying to figure that it has to move its base to be able to finally get there. And it seems to, to uh, even know the logos of the different teams. And then that, it made kind of a mistake. I guess you could say on the way it grasped it, it should have rotated its hand 90 degrees, right? Because it's, it's a simple piece of paper we're trying to pick up. And it makes sense that you, you take a piece of paper and you pick it up like this. And it was like trying to grab it from out there. So I mean, 
that's one of those things that eventually you hope it will understand that there are better ways to grab things. So you don't end up having those kinds of mistakes. And that's something that we understand is like, oh, you want me to grab it, but it's just not go over and, and close the gripper. There's going to be the ideal approach access to be able to do it. It'll learn that in time. Wow, this is so scary. This is amazing. So let's just complete complete the paper that they released. So here they said this, which is the success rates of emergent skill evaluations. It looks like that uh, the originals was a RT1, then they improved it with RT2 mm -hmm. with different palm, then they improved the RT2. And you can see that the green, which is the most recent um, system, it's much better than it used to be in the symbol understanding, in reasoning, recognizing humans, and a task average, it's much better than it was before. Yep. Tell me about this. What's this? Unseen objects, unseen backgrounds, unseen environments. What's, what are they referring to? Oh, okay. So in, in many cases, they are, um, they're asking you to do something in environments that hasn't seen before, like the unseen background. So it has like lots and lots of training data, which was in a very bland kind of environment. And right. suddenly now they throw down like this weird colored tablecloth or some sort of background that's not there. And it still has to understand, yeah, oh, wait a minute, how would I operate in that environment? Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, the probably the kitchen sink or something like that. Wait a minute. I haven't seen that kind of environment before. How do I manipulate mm -hmm. around here? And unseen objects might be that one or two of the objects it's never seen before. And right. it'll have to kind of infer what it is and understand that it is or is not an object. So it, it's like anything else. I mean, think about it. You know, it's like, like someone who uh, practices playing basketball, right? And he's used to playing in their own gym. And suddenly they go on the road somewhere. It's, wow, it's a completely different stadium. Oh, wow. You know, it's like, can you yeah. still make that three-pointer, even though it's in a place you've never been before, you've never seen it? So it's the same thing as making sure that it will be able to operate in any environment. So if the background just suddenly changes or the lights suddenly get very bright or the lights get very dim or suddenly a very noisy environment, it should not make a difference. It should be able to plow through and be able to do everything. Yeah. And this is interesting here that it understands now the idea of pushing as opposed to grabbing. Okay. So it's not even going to bother to pick up the ketchup but just go ahead yeah. and sort of nudge it along to get over to where it needs to be. This is crazy. I need and this, yeah, this is the one that um, I, I kind of joked with John. I said, um, this is the MacGyver mode where, you know, <laughs> suddenly you, you have to improvise and figure out how to do something. So it's like, oh, we need to, uh, to nail something. Which of these objects out there could we use as a hammer? And it's like, well, the rock is, I guess, oh. the, the best substitute for a hammer if you don't have one. So that was rather interesting in the, the emergent behavior that it was able to come up with that. So again, this is the MacGyver bot. So it shows the promise of building a general purpose physical robot that can reason, problem solve, and interpret information for performing a diverse range of tasks in the real world. Wow, John, <laughs> Scott, this is crazy. So, I mean, just in the last month, We've seen crazy advances everywhere, and uh, this is scaring me. This is very, this is intelligent. It's reasoning. It's able to emergent behavior, which is doing things not shown before. It seems to, you know, you've taken the brains and are able to put it into physical body, and it can act. <clears throat> and it learned. It's starting to to learn a lot more. And remember, it was OpenAI that first did it with the Rubik's cube. And they determined that there was some urgent behavior that it figured out, especially when they took it from the simulating of the Rubik's Cube to the physical world. Because in the physical world, there were certain things about friction and inertia 
that it was like learning these little tricks that it could do with a hand to kind of get the cube to rotate the way you wanted that wasn't in the simulation. So it picked that up pretty quick. Um, and so we already knew that there could be some emergent behavior coming around there, but that was from the open AI side. Now, Google has sort of demonstrated they could do it as well. They've also demonstrated that they have an approach that will be able to train these things web-based. So, you know, the question you ask, like, what, you know, how does this affect Tesla bot? What does this mean for Tesla bot? This has absolutely nothing to do with Tesla, but it shows us that there are approaches that they could be taking or maybe have already taken that will allow them also to duplicate the same kinds of things that are going on here. And that is you can train the bot to do a lot of tasks, maybe a lot more easily, which may be why we were so kind of so far off with the number of bots we would think they would have already, because it might be like, hmm, we really don't quite need that number of bots yet because we found this other way of being able to train them, which is giving us just as good of results. And we're going to wait for, you know, the production line to be ready to have the production candidates out there that are actually doing the, the final refinement and training. So um, I think what it just means is that the whole field of humanoid robots is going to be very interesting in the next couple of years. Uh, I think you're muted, Herbert. Yeah, sorry. I was saying that it's amazing how do we just everything just leapfrogs so quickly. And uh, what's also fun was that six months ago, you and I were talking about this. I was asking Dave Lee about this. Could you take the large language model teach uh, just using video only? And so what you're saying is that Tesla bought, um, maybe they don't need to make 10,000 anymore because you've got this technology. But we also know that Tesla has announced that they are building a incredible supercomputer. It's going to be 20 times faster than their existing computer that they're using now and the fifth largest computer in the world um, uh, by next year, but also that they're also getting into large language model and visual language model that we're just talking about here too. So yeah. then it becomes who can create mass produce these bots so that you can actually sell them to as many companies as fast as possible. But it certainly looks like that they're going to be very useful already. And even the one that are just pinchers only, it's still able to do things, um, you know, you're right. So they can already start, you can already get going, build these bots, sell them now, move them right. Right. I mean, is there anything else that's a rate limiting stuff here? Um, I mean, I, I, it just comes down to the training data and, and making sure that um, the bots are able to do something useful. And of course that the bots are designed in such a way that they are not going to harm anyone. So um, I mean, some of those bots you see that they're already designed right from the beginning as cobots to make sure they get certified that way that they're not going to hurt anyone if they bump into them or fall over or anything like that. So um, the Google bot was clearly designed that way. I mean, everything about it is like just screaming. We want to make sure no one gets hurt. That's why the arm is kind of the way it is. There's no pinch points in there and everything else. It's all nice and rounded. Uh, the same thing with, uh, with Neo and Eve and Tesla bot will be doing the same thing. Now there is something interesting that I, I learned about Tesla bot this week. Or let's say hmm. the, the Tesla bots on display. So there is a Tesla bot on display at the Somerset Mall in mm -hmm. Troy, Michigan. And I'm not up there right now, but uh, Chris from Dirty Tesla is. And he took a look at it and he said, it's not the real deal. It's probably a model. So we mm -hmm. were sort of speculating they might just be taking all the, the scrap parts and putting them together. And it may not be. It may be that there, there's a model maker out there. So instead of being optimistic, it should be, I think, uh, uh, Optikin. 
you know, so it's the mannequin version of, <laughs> mannequin of Optimus. Version. I like it. Um, but still, it's, it's rather interesting to go and be able to look at it because I think it's, it's a very faithful reproduction of a lot of it. So you can get an idea how the joints and everything move. Um, and yeah, I think, I bet it's, it's generating a lot of mall traffic right now at the Somerset Mall that they, they usually don't get in the, in the summer months when it's so hot. Hey there, thank you for joining me. If you can, please consider supporting this channel so I can keep it going. It's a lot of work arranging all these amazing interviews. One of the easiest ways is just to click that join button and become a member of the channel. Thank you very much. And let's get brighter. Yeah. So, okay, so this is interesting. So what are you thinking about Tesla's advantage here? I think at the end of the day, this just accelerated everything. Accelerated, right? Now they can do this. Uh, what do you think about the decision that Tesla did with going full humanoid, full digits, you know, being able to walk and move anywhere? So clearly, if you have the, the, the even though the Eve had the wheels, they themselves are creating a humanoid uh, bipedal walking robot. Yes. Because there's just so many like stairs. What do you do there? Or yes. Just any environment. What do you do? Just a little list. Yes. What do you do now? Yes. Uh, and walking through uh, grass or something like that you can't really use these things. So I think still it's still the right decision. It just becomes more general purpose, correct? Um, right. Yeah. I think you're going to end up seeing them all. It's as you know in in Star Wars when you end up inside yeah. the the, yeah, the yeah. big crawler that the Jawas have with the and you're in there and it's like every single configuration of a bot you could imagine in there and we're starting yeah. to see that out there you know um we certainly know that the you know the spot dog that um yeah. that Boston Dynamics has it's a very popular platform and there's all sorts of other companies doing also a bot like that for some reason so evidently having that kind of quadrupedal action is very important for the inspection in certain areas. But there's some other companies that also have something that looks just like it, but it's a wheeled vehicle. So it's doing inspection like in parking lots, in, in normal flat areas, where it doesn't have to worry about going up in stairs and all. And so there's going to be a bot for each application in there. And you're going to see the same thing with the human bots. It can be a little bit different. And the other day, uh, John and I will probably do something on this. There's this really interesting bot that is also on wheels that kind of folds up you know, it, it just goes around and it, it's so simple. There's like almost nothing to it. It's almost like they took a couple of skateboards and just figured out how to make a bot out of it that can pick up boxes and move around. It's really fast and it can go outdoors. It's going on terrain. I didn't think it could do. It looks like it could even go up some stairs. Like, wow, they did it without that. That's that's absolutely yeah. amazing. And um, and again, it just looks like this weird configuration of a bot that you're going to see more and more of these things going on out there. So it really does come back to the question. I keep on saying, okay, why did they, why were they so intent that we have to have the legs, that we have to have five fingers? Why don't we have three fingers and stuff like that? And it comes right down to, if I ever get a chance to ask Elon those questions, that's probably going to be it. And it's like, why yeah, did you really fun. think that you had to the have drill. the full hands? Why not grip? Why, why not drill? The example yeah. is the best example. Yeah, part of, of, part of it is a drill. So, but you know, you could get by maybe with three fingers or maybe with four fingers. But and it, it you know, what this is this? So, now so right could, now, I think they are trying tool. to push the envelope. Um, but there's no reason why you're not going to see different types of bots as you sure. start going down the road. Okay. So, one of the things you told me before about Tesla bot was that, um, that you said that, you know, uh, it's one thing to teach the bot these videos and it sees that that's a water bottle and the example was that paper cup it's another thing to um have you know a bot actually grab the paper cup and then as it's grabbing it it learns uh, you know obviously that what you'd learn there was it knows what a paper cup is it knows 
instruction to put the paper cup into the fridge or something. It knows how to do all that, but it doesn't know the feeling of grabbing the paper cup and not crushing it and being able to open that fridge door. It's one thing to know I need to open it, but it's another one. Oh, just, you know, how strong do you grab it? How do you pull it? Right. And you said to me that the more bots out there that are actually physically touching these things, that feeds back. And that's very important. How that important will, that is will. that? Oh yeah, that, that that's gonna be very important. You know, so, you know think about it. you know I'm a one iron armored bot, and I need to put something in the fridge, and I'm holding onto something. How am I gonna open the fridge? Oh, I have to put this thing down. So you got to think ahead of what your steps are gonna be to well open the door first, then grab the bottle or whatever you're gonna put in, then put it and then close it. Whereas we're used to that with the two hands that we can do, we we can grab the bottle first and then go over. The other thing with the cup, of course, we all know the best way to grab a plastic or paper cup is from the bottom that's where the strength is you do it from the top and you're going to get exactly what ended up happening there and a lot of times do you come in from the side do you come in from the top there's all these different nuances that we've learned based on the different objects and object shape what we can infer is the strength of it i mean if that was if that cup was a plastic cup or a glass we could have grabbed it that way without it knowing it was going to collapse and we can already see okay. that from our eyes. It's like, whoa, this is a special object. We have to treat it a little bit differently and we something else. So we know that ahead of time in our planning. And that's just going to learn after a while. I mean, and a lot of it is like maybe just going to be tons of examples on the web of human hands going out and grabbing different kinds of cups. That's all you need. It doesn't have to be a robotic hand. It could just be a human mm -hmm. hand. And then it's going to learn. It's going to look at that and begin to understand that, oh, these different objects you have to grab, they might look similar. But I can tell there's something about the material that they're made or the structure that's going to require a different way of dealing with it. And that's what's going to be interesting is learning from the web that way is not learning from videos of robots or robots with exactly your kinds of hands and your kinds of arms interacting with something, but everything that's out there and then being able to bring that in and then for that's what I need to do to do a better job of actually grasping, which in many ways might be why it makes more sense to actually have the humanoid robot have human hands because that one-to-one -one mm -hmm. mapping is a little bit easier than some sort of with weird videos. flapper thing. With the videos, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, this was fun. This was fun. So we've just watched uh, uh, OpenAI invest in a company, create Eve and Neo. Um, and then uh, then we've just watched here a paper written by Google's DeepMind showing that you can now take visual learning a language model and be able to teach it all sorts of things as you saw with emergent behavior. And then we know that Tesla's working on this as well. So it is a race and maybe not even a race. The market is so massive. There's a lot of options. It's a race to build the most bots and sell quickly. But it, I think this is very uh, bullish for me as a Tesla investor because it just means that, you know, the most, the hardest thing was actually the brains. And it looks like that we might actually be much further ahead yep. than most people are realizing. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you, Scott. This was fun. Appreciate you. Okay. Thank you, everybody. everybody.